lighter walking up here. It's because I didn't have this thing. Good morning. Two things. Um, if you're interested in being a part of the um, Still in Its Infancy video ministry, then uh, this Wednesday evening at 6.30, they're beginning training on that. And Randy Pomeroy is going to do it from 6.30 to 7.30. And I know our classes normally start at 7. <clears throat> you may have to sneak into a class a little late. Uh, if they won't let you, you can come to mine. Uh, <laughs> But if you're interested or you'd just like some more information, you can talk to Randy, who is up in the booth up there waving his hands, but you can't see him. But, he, yeah, he's got, he's got a lovely hairstyle, which is none. And so you recognize him that way. Uh, and then this afternoon at 4.30 uh, is Annie. It is a wonderful show. And uh, I encourage you, I encourage you to come see it. You may kind of go, oh, I don't know if I'm going to get out of that. I don't want to take a nap. Hey, come see this show. Yeah, I mean, you, you will walk out of it feeling better about being alive than you were when you walked into it. I just promise you that. <sighs> Freedom. That's what we're going to talk about today. And... Uh, You know, what do, what do free people look like? Oh, really? Is that, is that what freedom looks like? <laughs> I mean, you know, not everybody's there, but... Well, maybe we can get you out of there, if that's where you are right now. Would you stand with me? We're going to read a short passage from John chapter 8. <clears throat> Pretty familiar passage. Let's read together. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Let me stop there just a second. And focus not on the end of it, but on the beginning, because it says, to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said this. You know, if you don't believe on Jesus, then just trying to hold to his teachings really won't do much for you. But you start out believing on him, and then this is how you get set free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for the life that is in it. I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place. Touch our hearts. Give us the ability to hear with something beyond our natural ears, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I don't think that I have to really inform any of you that this is the, the 10th anniversary of, of 9-11 in this country. 
And uh, most of you probably remember that day fairly well. And, and I do. There are other days, actually, that are a little more clearly burned into my memory. I don't know if it was because of the, uh, the age that I was when they happened or, or just what. Or, or maybe because they happened uh, in a culture that wasn't so, so media-saturated. Uh, um, may have something to do with why. They probably stick in my memory, but uh, some of the days, well, actually, the day that I remember probably the the best from my childhood was the day of the Cuban Missile Crisis, and some of you were around for that, and some of you have heard about that, but it it was absolutely weird because we were sent off to school that morning thinking, okay, at any moment we may be all called back home to be with our parents because this could be the day the world ends. And when you're that age and you go, this could be the day the world ends, then you think about it. It, it, it sticks to you throughout the day. Um, I also remember a little bit later on in November 22nd, 1963, the day that uh, John F. Kennedy was shot. I was sitting in uh, eighth grade civics class White House Junior High School, uh, Joe Elliott's classroom, when the announcement came over the intercom that uh, the president had been shot. I remember I probably, if that building is still there and there are still seats there, I could probably take you to the seat where I was sitting when uh, when I heard that, when that happened. Uh, About five years later, four and a half years later, I remember the day that uh, his brother... Uh, Robert Kennedy was killed. That was uh, June the 6th, 1968. I actually, uh, you know, we didn't have 24-hour news in those days or internet or any of that stuff. And uh, he had actually been shot the night before. I'd gone to bed uh, realizing that he had won the California primary. And I woke up that morning and my parents had the the news on and uh, he had been murdered. Uh, And the kitchen of a hotel somewhere. And it probably he would have been the next president. He, he, he had a lot of momentum behind him. And interestingly enough, what drove him into the race, what encouraged him into the, in, into, into the race was what happened two, day, two months and two days earlier on April the 4th, 1968, when Martin Luther King was assassinated. And boy, was that a day uh, unlike any other. Some of you are old enough to remember um, you, you know, the, the stir, uh, after the, the OJ verdict. Okay. Well, take that and multiply it by about 50. And that's, that's what the day was like, um, when Martin Luther King was assassinated. So I, I remember, remember that one very well. Um, it's not just our generation, the generation immediately before us, um, had a day that would live in infamy. December the 7th, 1941, when Pearl Harbor was attacked. Uh, I wasn't alive then, but uh, it was a very real day, even even to me. I graduated from high school in 1968, and obviously a very eventful year. And in uh, 68, I was was in senior English, and if you went to Goodlettsville High School and took senior English, you had Helen Sprouse. Uh, she was the senior English teacher. She was the 
Uh, she was the mountain that everyone had to climb over or go through some way to get to get out of high school in Goodlettsville. So she was feared and dreaded, but primarily because she was an excellent teacher. She was really good. But if you uh, if you were in school on a year where uh, December the seventh fell during a school day, one thing you could absolutely count on was Helen Sprouse would be at school wearing dark glasses because on that day her fiancé had died at Pearl Harbor and she never married and she always observed that day for the rest of her life, I'm quite sure. Uh, Generations before, uh, back in uh, 1861, the day that... uh, Fort Sumner was, was fired on, a uh, lot of rejoicing in areas that would turn to absolute bitterness and gall over the next four years. Uh, then in 1865, in April, when President Lincoln was assassinated, this last year I was, uh, I was reading the memoirs this last uh, spring, I was reading the memoirs of uh, William Sherman, uh, and he talked about the day that he found out that Lincoln had been assassinated, and it just came home to me in, in a way that I, you know, because it was like being there, because it was being there. He was actually on his way to uh, have a meeting with the Confederate General Joseph Johnson that day to arrange the terms of surrender for Johnson's army. When on the way, he had been informed that Lincoln had been assassinated. And when he got there, he told Johnson, he said, well, we're not going to be able to to do this today, and told him what the news was. And, uh, and Sherman said that obviously everyone who heard it was highly impacted. I mean, you can imagine such a, such a supercharged atmosphere in the, in the nation anyway. Uh, but he said the person who was the most upset, the most grieved, the most moved and impacted by the assassination of the president was the Confederate General Johnson because he apparently realized that, uh, that the Confederacy's best friend and best hope had just been murdered by the Confederacy, which is often the way things, uh, often the way things go down. And it's not just our country. Um, other countries, other cultures, other places... All over the world have days, in fact, there's probably hardly a day that goes by in the calendar of the year that somebody somewhere isn't observing some tragedy, some significant thing that happened as a constant reminder that we live in a fallen world and we are members of a fallen race. Uh, And it's not been all that long ago for us you know, since 9-11, how about Oklahoma City and the bombing that took place there, the uh, assassination attempt on, uh, on Representative Giffords in, uh, in Arizona. They didn't get her. They just managed to kill a little girl and a few other people. And uh, the 69 children who were, who were murdered in, uh, in Norway a few weeks ago. On such occasions, as we look back on these occasions and what brought this to mind, is we often hear a lot about the word freedom on such occasions. And what we tend to hear are cliches. And like all cliches, they tend to be um, packages of half-truths that are given to us. Because the world doesn't really know what it's talking about 
when it tries to talk about freedom. Um, some uh, quotes about freedom i just share with you. Um, not necessarily all cliches, but freedom isn't free. I don't know who said that. Somebody said it. Uh, and definitely there is a lot to consider there, and there's a lot of truth there. Uh, but it's not true across the board. Thanks be to God. And we'll find that out in a little while. Um, a friend is someone who gives you total freedom to be yourself. Jim Morrison. How many of you know who Jim Morrison was? I thought you people were Christians. <laughs> it wasn't always. Yeah, you got it. Uh, is that true? I'll give you a clue. It's half true. You can have peace or you can have freedom. Don't ever count on having both at once. Robert A. Helene. How many of you know who Helene was? Wow. Do you people read books? This is, uh, yeah. Is that true? How about half true? One, one more. You probably recognize this guy. No, maybe not the quote. You have freedom when you're easy in your harness. Robert Frost. You know who Frost was? Okay, good. You don't read books, just poetry. No sci-fi, just, just... What does Jesus have to say about it? Galatians 5.1 says, It is for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now, if it is for freedom that Christ has set us free... I, that, that almost sounds like a circular um, argument there. But the truth of the matter is, this freedom stuff means, must, be some, must be a pretty big deal. Must be some pretty important stuff that's going on. And it really is. But what is it? What, what is it? What, what does it mean? If Christ bought us our freedom. The first thing that tends to jump into our mind is political and social freedom. But it really can't mean that. Because if that's what it means, in that case, Jesus himself wasn't free. Because Jesus lived his entire life in a country that was occupied by an occupying army under under the heel of Rome. So if that's what freedom is, he didn't have it. If he didn't have it, how could he give it to us? So it's probably something beyond that. Political freedom is nice. I mean, don't get me wrong. But it doesn't ensure anything. Because we live in one of the freest nations on earth. I mean, we like to say the freest, and maybe we are, but we're one of the freest. That's for sure. You know, very, very little fear of invading armies. Very little fear that we're going to wake up in the morning and the government's going to be overthrown. Very little fear that the social order's going to crumble or anything like that. So it's a very free country. And yet, millions of people in this country... And probably a few of them are here, just not millions of them, but probably a few of them are actually in in this service today. Millions of people in this country live, feel as if they are, and and in many cases really are, they live in oppression. They live in depression. They live in abuse. Is that free? Of course, that's not freedom. So it's, 
Social and political freedom doesn't, doesn't guarantee the real thing. Jesus' most often quoted statement on freedom is the one that we, uh, that we read earlier. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And if you've, if you've ever heard me talk about it, then you've heard me say that verse 32 only works in conjunction with verse 31. And we'll, we'll get there in, 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 a, in a minute, but right now let's, let's just keep on moving and go on to verse 33. See, just like us, the Jews immediately assumed that this freedom he was talking about was political or social. So they said, we are Abraham's descendants. We've never been slaves of anyone. How can you say we shall be set free? <laughs> uh, <clears throat> now, I'm Irish and, and English. That's my background. And, uh, you know, the Irish are um, a pretty, pretty freewheeling group. On, on the other hand, virtually anybody that has bothered or cared to invade the island has managed to conquer it. So... That's kind of the way it is. In England, and and much better. Uh, The Romans came in, and they had it for a while, and they left for a while, and the Britons kind of took over, and then this guy named William the, like, Conqueror, uh, 1066, came over, and there's a reason why they called him the the Conqueror. And then even after he set things up with the Normans and the the Saxons and everything, we'd have the the Vikings that come in and take a little here and a little bit there. It's been, you know, every, every... Every race, every nation has had its, had its time. Every dog has its day and has its not day. And, and the same thing with these descendants of Abraham. I mean, they said, we've never been slaves of anyone. <laughs> well, what about that little 400-year thing down in Egypt? You know, that was, that was kind of like slavery. And, and then even, even more recent than that, you could go, well, that was over a thousand years ago. We don't, we're not remembering that far back, but, just like 600 years earlier, Assyria had come in, taken the northern kingdom of Israel, deported 10 of the tribes. They um, never came back, at least not in mass. Uh, 500 years prior to that, Babylon had come in, take, taken them into captivity for, for 70 years in, uh, in Babylon before they, uh, before they were able to come back. About 150 years before that, uh, I mean, before the time that we're talking right now, uh, the uh, Seleucids, the, that, that empire had come and, and uh, was oppressing the people. They actually had to have a rebellion to drive them away. And now they had Rome. So, boy, how delusional we can become nationally so quickly. Yeah, it, it's, it's a real easy thing. But that really wasn't what Jesus was talking about. It has nothing to do with freedom. You get right down to it. Because the crux of freedom is absolutely this. I tell you the truth, whoever sins is a slave to sin. We may live in freedom uh, from the fear of physical attack and still be completely enslaved. When I was a kid, there was a little novelty song called um, Smoke, Smoke, Smoke That Cigarette. Any, Any of you guys remember that? Valerie, you know that song? Where do you know that song from? (laughs) That's that's not in your support group, is it? I I was kidding. She doesn't have a support. Well, she does. Called her family. But... uh, (laughs) 
Uh, yeah, a cute little, cute little song. For those who don't know it, it was. Uh, I can only remember one verse of it, but that that verse kind of gave the uh, um, the the tone for the whole thing. Uh, the guy was saying, "In a game of chance the other night, old Dame Fortune was treating me right. Them kings and queens just kept on coming around." Well, I got a fold and I bet it high. Not that I know what a fold is. But my bluff didn't work on a certain guy. I just kept on raising and laying that money down. He'd raise me and I'd raise him. I sweated blood. I had to sink or swim. He finally called and then didn't raise the bet. I said, aces and fours, pal. How about you? He said, I'll tell you in a minute or two, but I just got to have another cigarette. And the idea was you'd come to... Yeah, thank you very much. You, you like that. You just wait. You come, to, you come to a place where you needed to do something, and but you had to go smoke a cigarette. Yeah, um, chemical enslavement. You know, and you know, you know how I feel about cigarettes. If you've been here long enough, you know how I feel. I was raised in a culture where I was raised in a co- church culture where they taught that smoking cigarettes would send you to hell. And then when I came back to the Lord, they had moderated their stance, and it was no longer that smoking cigarettes would send you to hell. It was just that smoking cigarettes would make you smell like you'd been there. Yeah. (laughs) And, of course, my position is, uh, go ahead. Just leave us in your will. (laughs) But... You know, cigarettes, alcohol, drugs, chemical addiction. That's not the only kind of addictions there are that enslave us. Uh, greed, gluttony, gossip. Woohoo! Let's have some fun. Say, <laughs> like, yeah, greed. Those rich people, they're greedy, aren't they? they? They want everything they see. How much trouble do you have walking by the checkout line where the magazines are? Yeah. How much... How much trouble do you have with, what do they call it, impulse buying? Yeah. And it's enslavement. The more you get, the more you want. The more you try to hold on to. Gluttony. Some people can't, some people can't walk by a Maggie Moose without it just kind of... <laughs> and I am one of those people. <laughs> but I, so I try to stay away from that part of town. They're opening a sweet CeCe's across the road, and that is not good. That is a not good thing. I'm just telling you right now. <coughs> I survived five guys, but I don't know. You know, but, well, I mean, we, we laugh at it, but it can enslave us. Gossip. You know, I, you know you're not supposed to do that. You know that you, you, I'm just going to quit that. I'm not going to do that. Anymore. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, let me tell you what I know about that, you know. Because you don't have control over it anymore. It's, it's, it's controlling you. Controlling your, controlling your life. Envy, pride, arrogance. I mean, all those things. Enslaving. Sin not only enslaves us, but it impacts those who are near to us. You know, it, if, if you're chemically addicted, you know what? Yeah, it, it's got you. It's got your kids too. They're paying for it. It's got, it's got your spouse. It's got the people you work with who have to cover for you. It's, it impacts, the, sin enslaves the person who's in it, and it impacts those around them. 
John Lennon almost got it right when he wrote Imagine, but he didn't quite know what to put in there. You know, I mean, he was talking about imagine no countries and imagine no religion and, and you know, okay, but imagine no sin. I mean, really think about it. Imagine there's no envy. It isn't hard to do. No lust or greed or murder. And every word spoke true. Imagine all the people living free from sin. I told you, just wait. <laughs> oh. I mean, really, think about it. What the world would be like if none of those things existed. Everyone would be free. Completely free. Free, free from fear and free from... To be who they are supposed to be. And I gotta, I gotta show you one more thing, because I was looking up, you know, things about imagine, and it may, it's probably dumb of me to put this in, but it just, I, I just thought, it's all about perspective. It's all about point of view. It took me a minute to look at it. The balloon is imagining the guy letting go. <laughs> All about perspective. Sin not only controls our lives, sin creates a barrier between us and God. And you know what? That's not a good thing. God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. If I, if I fly on the wings of the morning, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, you are there. And since he is everywhere, if there's a barrier between you and him, that means it's very difficult. It's actually quite impossible to be Totally comfortable anywhere. Because he's there. And I got a problem with that. He doesn't have a problem with it. I've got a problem with it. All right, let me go back to verse 31. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. God's laws are not designed to restrict our freedoms. They're designed to give us freedom. That's that. That's what. That's what they're there for. When I was, uh, when I came back to the Lord in my mid twenties, all my friends were pagans and 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 worse. And I remember sitting with my friend Steve, and somehow or another we got talking about love because I think we were more comfortable talking about love than we were talking about God at that point. And and uh, and he said, well, well, what is it? What is love? I said, I know, I know what it is. I just read it, and I got First Corinthians thirteen out, and I and I read that to him. Said, see, see there. That, that, that's cool, isn't it? It defines it. Well, you know what God's laws are? God's laws are nothing more than instructions on how to love people. How to love each other. That's what they are. In fact, it, it, Paul says over in, in Galatians 5.14, the entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. 
Back in uh, the late 80s, when we were coming back from Zimbabwe we, uh, to the States, we spent a few days in Singapore. And that was my, I really loved that town. And one of the things that I liked about it was any, any time of the day or night at any part of that town, any person, man, woman, child, could walk the streets and have no fear that something bad was going to happen to them. Does that remind you of Nashville? Does it remind you of Smyrna? It really doesn't remind you of anywhere around here. Uh, I mean, that was, that was cool. Now, the uncool part is that the reason that it's that way in Singapore is because they have such an, a, a, an authoritarian government that, you know, if you, if you do something wrong, buddy, you're going to get whacked and it's going to happen soon. So, you know, people, there's just not much crime there. But... God's laws are designed to create that kind of place. And not because God's going to whack you, but because you're free. And everyone is free if they can just, if they can just plug into this. And it says over in Psalm 119, verse 45, I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. I do what your law says. And so I'm free, and so are those around me. <clears throat> I want to go back and look at these, uh, at these quotes very quickly. The Robert Frost, when you have freedom, when you're easy in your harness. You see, we weren't created. We weren't created to be creatures of instinct. We, we weren't created to, to, to just be wild things. You know, I, I know that some of our children seem to be created to be wild things, but that's got more to do with us than it does to do with them. Uh, really, wild is not, is not all, that, all that it's cracked up to be. You know, you can look out at the birds and kind of go, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful to be a bird? Fly around in the sky and live in trees and eat worms and stuff. It's just great. You know, but you put a, you, you put a, a bird feeder outside of your house and see how birds treat each other. And it doesn't take too long to disabuse yourself of the notion of how wonderful it would be to be free as a bird. No. Uh-uh. And, and, and you know what? Kids that don't have anybody telling them where the lines are or what to do, they're not happy kids. They're just aggravating to themselves and to others. But, you know, the answer isn't, you know, the, the iron hand. The, the, the answer is love. And, and, and love provides a harness. <laughs> uh, provides a ca- because we, instead of being created to be wild things, we were created to be fulfilled, focused, fruitful carriers of the image of the living God. That's what we were created to do. That, that is, that's where the satisfaction comes from. That's where the joy comes from in our lives. You have freedom when you're easy in your harness. When you're not just pulling against it all the time. When you finally go, you know, this is, this is the right way. Walk in it. You can have peace or you can have freedom. Don't ever count on having both at once. This is the incredible difference. 
incredible difference in the world's wisdom and, and the kingdom of God. Because in the world, that's probably absolutely true. In the world system, that's about as good as it gets. You can have one or you can have the other. But in the kingdom, not only can you have them both, they're joined at the hip. You have to have them both. Kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. When you have righteousness, you're free because there's no guilt. There's no guilt when you're in right standing with God. That's, it's, a, it's a beautiful place to be, a beautiful way to live. And when you're there, that peace accompanies it. it. It comes along with it. A peace that passes understanding. Sometimes it doesn't make any sense. Maybe things went bad. You know, maybe, maybe the stocks went south. Maybe, maybe you got bad news, but, but the peace didn't go away. That doesn't make any sense. Well, it's called a peace that passes understanding. Because it's not based on sense, it's based on Christ. It's based on something that's a whole lot stronger than your sense. Sense changes. Who has it anyway? (laughs) And so the great news is you can have them both. Half truth. A friend is someone who gives you total freedom to be yourself. Jim Morrison. Jim Morrison died at the age of 27. July the 3rd, 1971, in a Paris hotel room from a heroin overdose. Don't know if any of his friends were around him. But all those people who were giving him the total freedom to be himself, nobody gave him the, loved him enough to save his life. See, I mean, a, a, a good parent, a good friend will let you be yourself, but they won't let you destroy yourself. A good parent, you know, is going to give their child some freedom, but not freedom to, to, to drink anything under the sink. You know, not freedom to, to play with the guns or, or run in the street, you know. And there's nobody... Nobody, no way, no how gives you the freedom to be yourself like God does. Colossians 2 verses 9 and 10 says this, and this is one of those, this is one of those verses that just exploded on me at one point, and I don't know, maybe the tenth time I read it, but at some point it just did. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. Uh, one of the, another translation, I think the, the New Living uh, Bible, uh, Scott Asher came up to me afterwards and said, I didn't find that verse. Well, he, he did find it. It just says it in different words. And, it, and it, what it says is you have been made complete in him. And it's true. See, when I was not walking with the Lord... One of the reasons I didn't want to come back to the Lord was because I was afraid that he was going to make me be somebody I didn't want to be. Anybody identify with that? Y'all ready to go to lunch? Why? Yeah. I was afraid he was going to make me be somebody that I didn't want to be. And, And when I came to him, I discovered who it was I really did want to be. It's what actually happened. 
Most of you know that, that I do some acting every now and then, and I'm in this play on this afternoon, and you come. But <laughs> before, uh, before I, I was walking with the Lord, I, I really enjoyed acting. I did not enjoy going to see plays, and, and a lot of you have heard me share about this before. Because when I would go and see plays, I would see these other people do these roles that I could do so much better. And I would go, I would feel, I would just feel sorry for all these people who had to watch this person do this role. <laughs> when if I had been there, they would have just had, it would have been such a, a more enriching experience for them. And, I, and I'm, I'm just being honest. I mean, that's how I felt about it. And if they, and if they were really bad, you know, if they were bad enough, the, it, it, it was, I couldn't be satisfied. If they were just good, I'd go, I'm better. If they were great, I would go, that, I hate them. (laughs) And if they were really bad, I'd go, oh, bless their hearts. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm serious. That's, that's, that's sick. It is. And when I came to the Lord, you know, I, I ended up laying it down for a number of years. And then when I picked it back up again, I discovered it was completely different. It was totally and completely different. You know, I mean, when I'm, when I'm doing a play or when I'm acting, hey, I mean, yeah, I want the audience to enjoy it. And I'm having fun. I want, you know, people to come up afterwards and go, boy, you sure. You know, yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> But that's not where the source is. I mean, if nobody comes up afterwards, that's not who I'm doing it for. I, I, I got a connection. It feels good. It's what he made me to do. So I enjoy doing it. Enjoy doing it for him. And when I go and I watch somebody else and they're really good, I can go, wow, they're good. And, and, and if we got something going on, and, and, and occasionally I actually do want to do a role, but seriously, I'm at a place in my life right now where I'm totally good with it. If somebody can come in and do it better, God, please send them. I want to watch them. I want to see them do it. And you know what? That's fun. That's a free way to live. Christ did that. He did that because when I came to him, my completeness was now in him rather than in all this other stuff. And I was free to be me. God wants you to be yourself. He he wants you to be who he created you to be more than you want to be who he created you to be. He really does. And if you're ticked off at him, tell him. He knows. He He doesn't like to be lied to any more than anybody else does. So tell him what's on your mind. Tell him, tell him what's going on. He, you can be you around God. That's, that's, what he, that's what he wants you to be. This doesn't mean that we, that we can just walk in sin. I mean, it says live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Because if you use your freedom as a cover-up for evil, the next thing you know, you won't have your freedom anymore because you'll be back enslaved to sin again. It's what it is. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge a sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. It's good stuff. Okay, last one here. Freedom isn't free. Actually, real freedom is. Kind of freedom that 
I've been talking about is. First sermon that Jesus preached in his hometown, he took what we now call the 61st chapter of Isaiah. He took his text from there. And he read, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. The only thing that freedom, this freedom, cost you is your slavery. That's the only thing you have to give up for it. See, it's not what I've bought, it's what he bought. And yeah, freedom isn't free if you go, well, he had to pay for it. Yeah, but it's free to you. It's free to me. Because he did pay for it. I couldn't possibly pay for it. Our country's greatest enemies are not other people. Our country's greatest enemies are not other ideas. And they're certainly not weapons of conventional warfare. They're not weapons of mass destruction. That's not our greatest enemies. Our country's greatest enemies are fear and ignorance and mistrust birthed by sin. Birthed by sin. Your greatest enemy is fear and ignorance and mistrust birthed by sin in our lives. The reason that God wants you to live free from sin is not so you can get into heaven. Christ took care of that. The reason he wants you to live free from sin is not so he can go, yeah, look, they obey me, don't they? No, uh uh-uh. The reason he wants you to to live free from sin is because he wants you to live free. Free. Would you stand with me? Still? Those who are going to pray for people, come forward. And if you're here today and you need prayer, this is a time for this. Praying for one another is really a a sacrament. A sacrament is a is a thing through which grace flows. And the scripture tells us to pray for one another, to pray for each other. And so grace is getting ready to flow. If you need prayer, you come forward. We're gonna we're gonna worship for a few moments. We'll wait for you. If you don't need prayer, just worship. Allow grace to flow through you. Amen. I need now under your wings and cover And thunders roar. I will soar with you above the storm. 
Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who sent his son into the world to bring freedom to proclaim freedom to sit at liberty those who are captive may that word of freedom take root in your life may it bear fruit may it bear fruit that is glorious to the kingdom that attracts people to your Savior Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.